0: plan today was foiled. I was gonna go to the Family Constellation meetup group, which is a seven hour meetup, and I left a little bit too late. I was thinking it would only only take an hour to get there, but it was more like an hour and a half, and then I got stuck in even more traffic, and then I finally parked in the same place I did last time, and it wasn't $7.25, it was $23, exact same parking space and place. So I started walking towards the meetup, even though I was already over half an hour late. And that parking space is about half an hour walk from the place. And I parked there because I thought it was going to be $7.25. And the traffic was so bad, I couldn't go anywhere else after I parked. And then the street was being paved, and I couldn't even cross the street going straight up or to cross to go over left. It diverted me right, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be past the hour and last time she talked for the first hour and then once she starts the first constellation it'd be pretty rude to show up and the constellation go on, can go on for like an hour or maybe even two so I didn't want to stand and wait for that long outside the door so I was like screw it and luckily I grabbed my rollerblades on my way out the door and I just ditched the event I sat and just chilled for a while outside for like an hour or so and then went back to my car, grabbed my skates and just went to my favorite place to skate. And I've already skated 23 miles. And when I started, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. I don't know if I can even do this. And I've skated 23 miles with, this is my second break. I took a first break pretty quick into it. And then I just skated for miles and miles and miles. And now I'm taking a second break and I'm thinking I probably shouldn't do another lap. I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow, which is good because the Spire device says that I didn't have any calm time yesterday and none so far today. So I think tomorrow would be good to be to have a calm day. And I'm going to want to be calm because I'm going to be freaking tired. I was supposed to hike to that lake at the top of that mountain with a friend but the friend decided to do something else that's more fun for her which is fine so that works for me for what I've done today because I'm going to be too tired to hike I think so it works out and I can't remember what else been been having a few insights into things and just sort of making my life pie more about being physically active and myself instead of lost in past stories that are related to the people I'm spending more time around indirectly not directly but in the energy field So it feels good to be out in the energy field of nature and one of my favorite places in the world. Sometimes I feel, I've asked this question to myself several times about, is it more powerful to put all one's energy and resources and attention into being oneself and taking care of oneself, not trying to help anyone or fix anyone, but by being oneself completely that ripples out subconsciously epigesturetically subtly and has some kind of effect without even trying to have an effect, without trying or like spend time writing a book and trying to help somebody by virtue of words, words, words I'm just wondering if there's any such thing like if all the psychological stuff is an illusion, if it's a story then why even bother to explore it? And I don't know if that's true. I don't. I think that one can come to that truth eventually. I don't think it's entirely true for me at this point. I was thinking that one can turn an ill into a skill. So one could, for example, learn to rollerblade and skate around in circles all day long and then maybe some of the ills get crowded out <laughs> just finished 30 miles on skates, which is 48 kilometers. I don't know if I've ever done that much before in one day. Check it out. So I think I was talking about whether it's more inspiring to be Talking about one's battle with this invisible inner movement on the inside, or whether one can be at one with the outer movement that's visible on the outside and flow with that. Like today, lots of people mentioned, Oh, a rollerblader, and somebody said, Oh, I want a rollerblade. So that might be more inspiring than saying oh i recovered from this mental illness or whatever i don't know i don't think there's such a thing as more it's more about for me what i want to put my energy into do i want to put my energy into talking about this invisible movement inside that one might be able to transcend perhaps or just go along with what's going on in the outside so today, instead of, say, sitting at my computer for hours, I don't think I would have done that today, it's a nice day, but I was out here, outside, for hours and hours skating. And that would put me in my body for sure. Like I wasn't thinking about anything, just skating. So spending more time in the body naturally negates the other, possibly, maybe not always but even if i was triggered by something and had to move with the inner distortion for a while skating would be a more fun way to do it than sitting squirming in a room or something like that so i'm going to tr- i'm going to try and see if Jugo Juice is still down here. I haven't been down here in a while, but there's one just a little ways away I could use a Jugo Juice after all that skating I was thinking that this earthing shoe attachment that connects energetic ooh, energetically to the earth is sort of like the equivalent of what those beings do in Avatar, the movie. How they can like connect to the earth to tune into its intelligence and share information. And I was laying on the ground in the sun with a blanket and then it occurred to me to not have my head on the blanket portion but put my head on the grass and then some people came big family to have a picnic so I decided to move because wasn't really they were being loud. there's kids so I'm walking now but I might do that like put different sides of my head directly on the earth see if it transfers some energy with that physical connection because it's one thing to have myself connected via the foot could be another thing to connect directly with my head since that is part of the body that needs some healing and maybe my heart too let the energy of the earth heal And then it came to mind about how people often bow or crouch down and bow as sort of a religious gesture of some kind. And I'm not familiar with religious gestures at all. But the process of putting one's forehead on the ground, there could be something to that in addition to whatever people do that for in terms of their practice or system of faith. There could be also directly connecting the forehead to the earth. And people often reach up and like take the sun rays like this. And then bow down, touch the forehead to the earth. It's like taking the sun rays and the entire map of the hand correlates to the brain somehow. And then taking them... And then bringing it down to the earth. So being a channel to bring some of that energy from the sun. Channeled in a biofeedback type way through the human body, nervous system, brain. And just through that movement and intention. And then put it on the earth. I don't know if there's anything to that but... Came to mind. Quite a few, few things are coming to mind. Things weren't coming to mind when I was in that sort of stressed out state of the past, but it seems to have passed. And again, it's so strange to feel that happen and this big unfolding of all this pain and drama inside and not having any control but having to go through it and then even once through it and to this point where one feels like one has one free, one's own free will still realizing that one doesn't but reconnecting with the felt sense of that even though it's not really that true i'm not sure what true what is true People on horses. Hey, guy. Hoot hoot. Do you want to hear the love tuner? Does that communicate anything? see the light in your eye. In both your eyes. Well, have a good day. I just realized that when species go extinct, they are not really gone they're returned to the light so we can no longer see them and experience them and enjoy them but they're still there in the unmanifest and could remanifest when the right conditions are there if their environment's there there will be there it's not a matter of oh they have to evolve from step one again We, can, we only think that from our very, very limited scope. And when writing stuff down in a book, I think writing in my own handwriting is more powerful. I wrote down some insights that I think I'll get to talking about eventually. It would be cool if at some point... could talk about some of these insights without mixing in personal ego drama, which is this. Not completely irrelevant, but kind of irrelevant. It's definitely not irreverent. It's not an illusion either. Well, it could be an illusion. I'm not sure, but something about... E equals mc squared and I feel like part of what creates mass is sound so in E equals mc squared there's something about sound in the M which is for mass so light sound slows light down because sound travels much slower than light and that interplay creates the epiphenomenon of mass but really all is light and we feel like light is something by which we see it's something external, but I'm seeing that it's something that we are. The other night I watched a movie called Mind Gamers. It's from 2017 and it was produced by Universal. What was interesting is at the beginning of the movie, about seven minutes in, had a quick clip of Krishnamurti talking about how the computer is going to take over the activities of the brain, which was a talk he gave in the early to mid-80s. And so that was fascinating because I've studied some of his teachings over the years. And I don't often watch movies, and I haven't in months. And then I picked that movie to watch with a friend, and there was that clip. So that was really cool. And then, not only that, but it's a movie about how if they create a quantum computer and then somehow work to connect human brains together, like, could change the world or whatever. And some of the possible misgivings of that... And what was interesting was that all that they talk about in that movie to me, it's already how it works. We don't need a computer to do it. This whole universe is this giant intelligent quantum computer. And what the scientists are discovering in terms of quantum physics, they see it on the tiny level, but they don't yet see it on the macro level. I see it on the macro level all the time. But... We're so Newtonian in our use of language and the way we see that we just don't see it, that that's already how it's working. So then if we saw that was how it was working, we wouldn't be able to be violent towards each other because we would see that we're all the same and any violence towards another is violence towards oneself and one is going to feel it at some point. So it would just get rid of that altogether. We would have to. But the thing too is when people start to see it it starts to drive them a bit nuts because one can go into a space where one feels responsible for all of this feel like one can save all of this but the real not the real but part of it is that we are all of this so if we don't treat all of this as it is us then that's where problems arise we are literally everything we're all the same light we're all the same life and so it's really painful to realize that and then when one realizes that one thinks oh my god what have I been doing all this time oh my god what have I done oh my god what am I going to do like how am I going to uphold this every single moment like I forget And other beings that I meet help me forget. They meet me with something that I can't transmute. I can't be with it and remain with it and negate any movement of thought or consciousness as we know it. In order for compassion and love and beauty to arise. When we don't do anything. Because our doing is all conditioned and controlled by thought. And... Our current way that we experience ourselves as separate when we're not. So, any movement of that, even if we think, well, now I'm going to have a pattern that's kindness, is still part of the same level of content that created all this. So, one must not act based on that, which requires being still in the mind I don't know what it requires I'm just talking at this point from this level of consciousness which probably won't last and I'll fall into structures that can't be helped because there is no free will and yeah I don't know what I'm talking about at all. So for example, I've been pondering violence lately. And then one might feel like, well, non-violence is the answer. But violence is something that comes out of the felt sense of separation. So if the felt sense of separation disappears somehow... The concept of violence and non-violence disappears because where one feels one with something, one wouldn't necessarily be violent. But, you know, the interesting thing, too, is that we're violence towards ourselves, which there is no self. So the operation of something that isn't there, the self and separation, is violence. So it's not like the self is violent. This movement of separating, which creates the epiphenomenon of the self, is violence. So naturally when we feel we have a self and we're moving through so-called space and time, it's going to innately build up more and more self, more and more separation. Like Each moment we go on with separation, it almost adds another bite or bit to the self that isn't there. So it's like an accumulation of violent moments to feel separate. So it can be scary to let go of that because then what does one do with that huge pile of violence that has accumulated in our bodily tissues which is part of what creates this feeling of dense matter I remember the first time I had this so called crisis it felt like I was being crushed by the world it felt like there was this reality coming in and like coming down and crushing me, kind of like a garbage compactor, and I literally could not stand anymore, and I laid on the ground, breathing holotropically for many hours, which was probably some kind of time-traveling or re-materialization, I feel like I went into dimensions of light where I was practically invisible, not invisible, but alone, And that's the thing one also has to come to terms with is that one is alone, or one must be alone in order to not be part of this morphogenetic field of thought and violence. Because after that, when one feels that aloneness, it can be felt as loneliness, and then one wants to reattach to that so badly. But when I recently saw how violent words literally shrivel the brain up and the brain tumbles down through higher vibrations to lower and lower vibrations until it's literally not even functioning, I can see how playing into that or wanting to reattach to that or attachment to that movement is... Is, is death. And I've felt death many times in the last seven years. This dying of higher vibrations back down into lower states of consciousness and ego. And I wonder if it's possible to not reattach to that. I have no idea. I don't think it's something that I can consciously control But I think seeing clearly certain things helps the brain see the danger in that which it might have previously sought comfort from. Oh yeah, Mr. Wasp, I don't really want you to bite me. So I was just doing that thing where I was laying on the grass and I had the left side of my head touching the grass, as well as my whole body, and something came to mind, and I'm going to try to put it into words as best as I can, but for some reason an image sort of flashed in my mind of somebody stepping on someone else's hand in order to get like the weapon out of the other hand out of the person on the ground's hand and so when the person let's call him the villain and the one on the ground is the hero when the villain steps on the hero's hand in order to get the weapon away from him like he basically immobilized him and the guy's laying on the ground with the weapon but he can't move so then the person comes the villain comes and steps on the guy's hand in order to take the weapon away and when that happens they the hero winces like ah, oh. and the villain is looking right in the hero's face when he winces like that. And this is the important part. When the villain is able to do that and look at the hero and have this movement in the mind that allows the villain to feel Separate from the hero, in that he's inflicting pain on the hero because he sees the hero as someone separate. Whereas, if he felt one with this hero, he wouldn't want to step on the hero's hand because that would also hurt him, the villain. But the thing is that we don't realize is that when we see that, when we see somebody's hand get stepped on, and that person winces, like ah we do feel that pain because the brain doesn't know the difference between what it imagines or sees and itself like if we have mental images going on inside it it feels that as reality it doesn't feel that as something as an abstraction so what I'm trying to say is When the villain steps on the hero's hand, the villain's brain does feel the pain, but the villain in that he's playing this role, this drama, this power position of a villain versus this hero, the power of his mind is that he can feel himself as separate and thus detach himself and thus enact that violent act as an act on something other than himself because he sees himself as separate when he's not in actuality but he doesn't feel that so I feel like that movement if taken a little differently can be very powerful in that new scenario somebody comes person one comes at person two with a violent movement and person two observes it so clearly and sees that violence so clearly that one doesn't participate with it at all doesn't react in the way that that violent energy would want one to react which would be you're separate from me so I'm going to be violent back to you because this is a tit for tat universe or world that humans play games that humans play so it's interesting because the power in that is that one sees oneself as not that violence as separate from that violence in that one isn't going to play into it, one isn't that, and one transmutes it and doesn't perpetuate it, yet at the same time oneself sees oneself as one with the other, in that one wouldn't do tit for tat, wouldn't go back at the violence with violence, would yield Sort of like certain martial arts where they use the power of the force to neutralize the enemy. But the real enemy would be in playing into that violence. So there's that scenario where the villain feels powerful because he can do violence to another and have this energy of a separate self that feels more powerful than the laws of the brain. So the brain sees clearly what happened, what's happening, but there's this movement of thought and ego and sound energy and games that have been going on for eons that thinks it's smarter than the brain but then this other thing that I'm trying to point out would be not having that movement of violence go back at the violence that seems to be coming at one's oneself and allowing the brain to see it so clearly the brain cells themselves to see it so clearly that there's no movement of thought violence and so it seems like kind of a similar power to the whole villain and hero scenario But one gives the power back to the brain cells in that one realizes the brain cells see very, very clearly what's going on and refuse to participate with that. Now, I don't know if one can get to a certain point or energy where very little violence is allowed close enough that one would need to stare directly in the face like that I don't know I don't know how that works at all this is all really new it's always new so I feel like two bodies in space violence against violence versus perhaps violence coming at another being who sees clearly, has no movement of thought, and that's why one can see clearly. So I'm not sure if at some point the concept of violence would disappear, and even if another human being was coming at the one who can see clearly with so-called violence, perhaps even the concept of violence would disappear in that the naming of oh I see that as violence that could possibly disappear too because that's still labeling it and recognizing it and violence is something of the past but it's not something that necessarily needs to perpetuate or enter the now violence is not something that is now If we were in the now, we wouldn't be violent. So maybe the now acts on violence because when one doesn't have a mental movement in the mind to play into and continue that movement of violence, one has the whole universe, the whole energy of the quantum computer of the cosmos to to choose what to do with that and it doesn't even necessarily mean it will be something in this apparent moment now you know perhaps seeing clearly and yielding in one apparent moment now changes something in another apparent moment now maybe something in other dimensions or parallel realities or Parallel realities such that one might travel in time to other parallel realities as a result of that now moment, even back in time, and time is relative. Some people, some beings on this planet have very ancient consciousness in the way they perceive the world. And then others have maybe consciousness of higher vibration. I don't know about the word higher. Perhaps qualitatively different, perhaps quantum. And that was one of the points in the movie Mind Gamers was, is this for everyone or is this for some kind of certain people or certain individuals? And their point, or the point in the end, or throughout was, it's for it's for everyone to be shared with everyone and then the movie was kind of about well if one tries to keep it to certain beings this is what happens keeping it with certain beings is an act of violence but it's also there's no such thing as certain beings so that whole question could be a wrong question in that One assumes that one can like put up some kind of invisible barrier from which other beings will be kept from it. And it also presupposes there are other beings. There are other physical human beings for sure, but it's all one consciousness. So it's not like if I, EYE, fundamentally have a change in consciousness that I can decide who gets that and who doesn't. I don't think so so worrying about that is pointless there's no it has no foundation and that's the thing I feel that has shifted lately and I don't know if it's a permanent shift there's no such thing as permanent shifting is more fundamental than permanency but that's the thing that I've or the process I should say there's no things that I've had a sense of is that this whole process of going like flowing in different states of consciousness and having this fear reaction since that night where there was no fear accompanied with the heartbeat that was like a Moment of time travel of some sort. And not time as in sequential time, but different dimensions of consciousness. But anyway, it's switched from kind of fear to fascination. It's really, really, really fascinating. The all seeing and the all knowing decides. And I don't mean in terms of some kind of God. The light decides. And the decision isn't something, some entity deciding, but it's a movement. It moves things. It processes, processes, changes the movement of energy and information flow. And this morning, I text a friend about asking if she knew of a good air mattress, a really lightweight one for camping. Because she does long hikes and things sometimes. And she texts back and said, Did you just read my mind? I've just been on Amazon looking for a new camping air mattress. Because the one I have, it isn't really for comfort. It shields you from the cold of the ground. But it doesn't really have that comfort aspect. So that's what she was shopping for. So that was kind of crazy and this is the thing that happens when my brain goes into this kind of state is that it's so obvious that we're one consciousness and we're connected and we always are but it becomes way more obvious in the manifest world it's not like words like a concept like oh yeah we're connected just a bunch of words it's actually the way processes are happening and it's so obvious to me and I wonder how obvious it is to other people but at the same time I need to realize that people don't see it that way and even people who might say it's that way don't necessarily see it that way in terms of how manifest reality works not in terms of worldview like thinking in terms of concepts like oh I see the world as interconnected like that's how I believe it is but seeing so many obvious unfoldments that one might call synchronistic that make it so obvious that that's the way it works and I've heard before in certain movements of spirituality and stuff, them saying, well, what you hold in mind is then what manifests or what have you. I think it's not exactly that because there is no you there to hold anything in mind, there is no holder. So, when one gets rid of the holder, what comes to mind is the quantum reality, the reality that's beyond thought and mentalizations, and moving the body according to a mentalization when there are no mentalizations the whole body the whole anatomy of the whole cosmos moves according to itself and we're a part of that we're in it we're integral to it and we must be for that movement to be in terms of human experience So it's not like, oh, I held something in mind, so it happened. There's just this other intelligence there, and it's not something that's contained within the brain. The whole of life is that mind, which is a mind that's totally different than the content of human consciousness as thought, and conditioning, and past history, and what that perpetuates as a continuous movement. So it's weird to operate in a way, and then I think that's the part where this whole notion of it's not for everybody comes in, is that it is for everybody, but everybody might not be aware of it, and I need to realize that because, you know, a friend could say, wow, you just said that and I was just shopping for that, that's weird. And I might be aware of how there's no division there. And I thought of the whole air mattress thing the other day. So it's possible that she might have looked for an air mattress because I thought that I want one. And I I actually wrote it down to ask her before I asked so I had it in mind before and that you know could have sent through the field where she thought well I need a new mattress and and so do I so one might think that's the law of attraction but there's a different intelligence that's not about holding thoughts in mind The holder is the held, and it's still thought. But intelligence can use thought, for sure. Blah, 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 blah. So even this non-movement of insight that seems to be happening... It can be warped, and I've talked about this before... Where one might start hallucinating in that one is seeing something that's not there. So in the state of insight, one sees an insight. One sees something that is possible that is not yet necessarily part of the manifest world in terms of maybe common sense, I'll call it for now. So in that way, it's sort of a new meme, and one feels compelled to speak it out, to give the possibility of others to see the same thing. Whether or not this is necessary, I don't know. Maybe one can have insight, never say anything, and it still has an impact on consciousness. I don't know if it has more impact or less impact if one speaks it out. But one is seeing something new, it's not there. One is seeing into something, one is seeing something more. But when the brain is confused, that process could be warped into something at the level of thought, which creates seeing something that's not there, a hallucination, which is related to the content of thought. Like it could be something religious or it could be something from one's past seeing a past seen from the past but it's projected from the collective consciousness from the content of thought it's not something new When it's hallucinating something old light is quantum and we are that light it seems like obviously we as human beings have made words so important words as we know it language as we know it we're so identified with it because it's a manifestation of being human that we take it to be our very selves and we don't realize and notice that in the whole biosphere and gyosphere and cosmos most of the exchange of information is not through words as in utterances created by human vocal cords that is a very very infinitesimally small amount of information exchange yet that is the one that we rely on most in order to define Society and create human culture. Most language is nonverbal. Most information exchange is cellular, molecular, quantum, light. And then we take this little perturbation that we're able to make with this one little small part of our human body to be so much of our existence, to be so emphasized to the point where. We read on the internet, and and what we read, a few words, which are, ne- are not even some sounds, sometimes it's just written, is enough to compel our entire human biomolecular structure, our anatomical structure, into action. And based on these words, which are so small, I just hung out with a bumblebee. Its wing is broken, so it's not gonna fly again. And I was taking the opportunity to film him with my macro lens, but he's very hard to capture because he's quite big and he's so furry that his hair, his fuzziness, takes up most of the depth of field. It's hard to capture. And then when I got really close, he's like, no, no, I don't wanna be on video. Totally the gesture of, like, go away, let me die in peace. But he did allow me to capture some of his beauty that can be captured on video, which is again a very small amount. That video is a very small amount of the beauty of the bumblebee, its life, its manifestation, how it arose, what it does, how it co creates this universe, how it allows us to eat food how it I don't know if bumblebees create honey but maybe just honey honeybees do but bees create honey out of pure joy of pure abundance of this extra that they're able to share with other beings they make it so they can share and I remember when I was first connected to these quantum states of consciousness seven years ago I kept seeing honeycombs everywhere like the patterns on walls and wherever I looked it was that pattern not like superimposed but actually you know in a magazine or tv commercial or wherever I looked there it was and it was made salient and I didn't really know what it meant and I still don't necessarily know what it means but in talking about how honey in terms of bees is like this hive swarm intelligence that creates out of the abundance so by the honeybees all working together as one super organism they're able to manifest and create abundance which is this honey that I don't even think they use themselves and I feel the same would be for humanity except we wouldn't make honey per se that's the bee's job So I think it was partly a sign of how humanity is meant to be a swarm. One intelligence working together. And also that honey is perhaps a representation of pure joy. The pure joy of creating in abundance without attachment to... The fruits of one's labor. Like the honeybees aren't really attached to the honey because they don't utilize it themselves, per se. Yet they can't help create that abundance when they get together like that. You know your wing is broken. That's why you can't fly. And you're not very happy about being recorded. I'm sorry. But you're really beautiful. Even if you're a little bit... Uh, okay, I get it. I get it, I'm sorry. And I do feel, and I've talked about a lot of this before and I don't want to repeat myself per se but I feel like I'm understanding a little bit better perhaps and I talked about how it's important for us to understand these things people who are who get in touch with this light or the light gets in touch with them the light touches us and makes us less dense And then we sort of become magnets in a way, because we can see so much. So the human brain is seeing through our eyes. The human brain is seeing through our eyes, not me as individual self seeing through my eyes. The whole of humanity is seeing through one's eyes. But then what happens, because we become sort of magnetic, is when we have fear which lowers vibration and then as a result creates like a a wave, shock wave of trauma, pain, ego stuff such that that might plant seeds kind of like a dandelion gone to seed seeds of the ego fall over the human manifestation the human world again so the fear comes in, and then we're magnets. We have a lot of people around us. We have, you know, doctors and psychiatrists and clinicians. You know, all these people who have invested years in their schooling are paying attention to us. And you know that is years of people's lives going into that kind of training to pay attention to us in that way. But I feel if we understood things differently. We wouldn't be speaking of symptoms, we'd be speaking of what we can see. Not seeing things, but insight. Speaking those insights. And then people may or may not come around to listen. And that's the thing, people don't want to hear this stuff. And then that's why we sort of trip all over insight and end up falling back into old ways of functioning because it is challenging to be alone with this but I feel I don't know if it's true because mid-June is supposed to be crisis time but I feel like my brain recently has really seen that going back into that does more harm than good So, like, staying away, avoiding that, even possibly avoiding eye contact with those who would re-imprint images on my brain cells according to how they see me. There is something about looking into the light of another's eyes. So, I'm wondering if the blue blockers can help with that. I don't know if that's necessary. Maybe it's a temporary necessity. Maybe it's a gesture. Maybe it's not really the physical mechanism of having blue blocking glasses on, but the gesture of keep the light in your eyes, your images, the holograms coming out of your brain of this being that you would want me to fall in line with and dance with in order to confirm the continuity of acting according to conditioning keep those to yourself and it's almost like protecting one's brain from that and protecting one's brain like it's a precious jewel but at the same time it's okay if one falls back into it because it only takes one flash to step out of it it doesn't take time it usually appears to manifest that way because it's more comfortable for other people to see someone crash down and then slowly put themselves back together Realize sitting here now, and I don't know if I've said it this way before or really thought about it this way, but what partly happens in a mental health crisis is that that flash of light or all that information that a person is sometimes believed to get right at the moment of death, like oh my gosh, life flashing before one's eyes. These are the mistakes I made. This was what I could have done different. Oh, I never really lived my life that I wanted to live. A person who goes into a mental health crisis gets a lot of that information. And that's another reason why it feels so scary and terrifying. It feels like one is going to die because that is a process that is thought to be reserved for the moment of death, which most people don't come back to tell about some people do when they have a near death experience and they're like wow I had this all this information and this light and blah 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 but that can happen when living but it's terrifying because it is something that is entangled with physical death so one feels like because it's happening that physical death is impending but it isn't necessarily in the whole mental health crisis aspect and then a lot of that information is what needs to change in one's life but since one goes into lower and lower states of consciousness to get to that state of fear and terror of death and that's the other thing that when one gets to that state of fear, of terror, and death, one can see so clearly what one has missed out on. Because it's like fighting for one's life. And then life gives all these messages about what to do differently, what to change, how to change the world, blah, blah, blah. But then one doesn't physically die, but often one is incapacitated functionally. From society which makes sense because one was given all this information and one doesn't know what what to do with it and one can't personally carry it out by oneself but if others who realized if others realize that a person went into a visionary near-death state and communicated with them is like what did you see what were the messages what what needs to change and be in dialogue and and listen That might be a function of people who go into those states. And then eventually one can regain functionality in the context of the totality of the messages that one received. One would have a role in that that would become apparent at some point. But what really happens now is that people are seen as non-functional, having no function, given the scraps, and hope to fit back into the society that is already here as it is now. And the point of these states is to give people information that we need in order to change things. And the information is so vast and wide it is incapacitating. And it's meant to incapacitate because otherwise we would go back to functioning as we were before. And the whole point is to not go back and do that. So I'm asking the universe to give me some song lyrics along with these other insights and I wrote down a bunch of pretty out there ones today but I got this download of the beginning of a song that goes something like if this world has not yet made you mad it's a sure sign that you're insane the ring of thoughts that rule your life But be sure there is a different game. The game of the heart. Heart, 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 The game of the heart. Heart, 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 heart. The songs of nature are your nature. But you've been programmed to noise. Wake up. You don't know you're sleeping when thoughts are creeping. See, there is another choice. The game of the heart. Heart. The game of the heart, 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 heart. Recalling a profound quote by Krishnamurti, he said, Meditation is unpremeditated art. And then it came to mind, unpremedicated heart. So my heart before I was medicated, that point of light that was touched that's like the guiding light post and it seems that as one walks through the forest one can there was thinking of it in terms of harvesting light but I don't think it's harvesting as in harvesting a crop Because a crop would imply that it's there for everyone to enjoy. It's sort of like the finished product that one can hand off to someone. They can eat it. But I think it's more like picking the seeds. Or I don't know if it's correct to say harvesting the seeds. But picking seeds of light. And one has all these different seeds of light. And one doesn't know where to plant them. One could plant them in a book. One could plant them in lyrics. One could give them to somebody else to plant. And I think... I don't even know, so... It doesn't really matter either. It lights. All this stuff is embedded in language. Like what matters to me, what lights to me, what enlightens me, and then I was even thinking of the term the masses, as in mass, matter, weight, this is for the lights, we all have a light. feels like my brain is able to keep up with making sense of these punctuated times of having a different sense of how life works. For example, when I had that day with the flies where I was recording that video and I was sort of one with those flies, I connected to a really high vibration of light and as soon as i fell out of that i was in fear maybe even fight or flight but it might have been fight or light in that once the being who seemed to touch that light gets a taste of it and then the vibration lowers the body reacts violently like get me the hell out of this circumstance or situation that is not resonant with the flowering of this light there might have been a temporary almost aberrant occurrence of connecting with that light but it's like one gets that seed of light when they get into contact with that vibration. It's like plucking that seed and holding on to it, and realizing one was just given this precious jewel, and then realizing that everything around one is designed to take that away, is designed to take away one's sense of lightness, of understanding, of insight. And so one runs it's like fight or light and then a lot of times we end up freezing and then we get carried off to a mental hospital but I can see that as a sort of intelligent process now as opposed to like the light gets to a point and then turns into fear it's that society is designed based on fear and so once one gets that seed it starts to naturally by virtue of the morphogenetic field or the lower vibration around oneself the body realizes it's not suitable conditions to flower as that light there and one tries to and that is so called mania and other processes I'm sure too but it just doesn't work and then one is recaptured by the fear and the body feels really fearful because it's fearful of all that which is not resonant with the flowering of that light and so it should be and then if we're lucky we sort of get planted somewhere to live a fearful existence but if we can see that conditions aren't suitable to be that light then perhaps we can find suitable conditions And I've been thinking about the function of this. And what is the function of this one? Perhaps give away seeds of light? It does seem to be a different function and I do see the in trying to fit into a different function. I feel that one has to wait for that other function to become apparent, to be apprehendable. Even today, sitting connected to the earth, laying there I didn't wake up feeling the greatest, but I got to the park, laid there, and then I wrote down a bunch of insights in my notebook. So perhaps being connected to the earth brings that about. And maybe one day I'll sit down and write out a full book in a day or something. But if one sees oneself as a seed of light and sees that that light is life itself and anything that would seek to limit that cannot be a flower of light but is assimilation into thought. I'm not sure. I'm going to go buy some carrots, have carrots and hummus and olives with garlic stuffed in them and maybe I'll get to talking about some of these insights at some point that I wrote down but I did notice that I like notebooks with a hard cover and I never knew that before because then I can write anywhere without a table didn't know this all this time I've been writing in notebooks with a soft cover so yeah tomorrow I have a dentist appointment and I was looking at my calendar and things should possibly run pretty smoothly for the first half of this month or more and then planning to go away on a trip and packing for that. Packing to stay longer perhaps if that is a more suitable environment. and I will continue to spend as much time as I can outdoors as possible. I think it's really helpful. Nature is so sane. (sighs) I have to say this. What drives one mad? What drives one nuts? When one realizes, sees and experiences for oneself that there are other worlds, other dimensions, other realities, that all time of all possibilities, past, present, and future exist now, etc., 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 is that other people don't see it too. Because if they saw it too, it would be normal. It wouldn't be madness. And the mental health system is torturing a person into acquiescing to... The laws of physics of this one dimension. It's like saying, okay, I'll try my best to obey the laws of the material world. The so-called material world. Something I've noticed is that In the last week, I've spent quite a bit of time connected to the earth with my feet in the grass, and I haven't really been wearing deodorant, and I don't smell nearly as bad, even though it's quite warm outside. So I'm thinking that absorbing the earth's energy helps with body odor, and if it's helping with body odor, it must be helping with a lot of other things at the same time. and yesterday I was flying kind of high and then I was doing an online course with people and I noticed like some anxiety coming in and weirdness and it was again that movement backwards like lowering in consciousness and it was kind of uncomfortable and there was some I don't know if it's anxiety, but it's just like body sensations of speeding up and slowing down and consciousness. And consciousness can go up and down and speed up and slow down quite quickly because it's very subtle yet fundamental, and it's more based on vibration. So I would think of it sort of like riding an amusement park ride. One goes up and then one goes down really quick and the body feels it. The body feels falling in gravity. Well, the body also feels falling in consciousness. But it's not something we can see. We don't see this amusement park ride that our consciousness is on, like as a physical structure. But with the sensations in the body of feeling like one goes into consciousness and higher levels and eternity... And, and the symptom of that or the, the experience of that as lightness and nothingness and no problems. And then when one lowers in consciousness, one can feel it as body contracting, the heart feeling kind of funny, anxiety. So it's a change in consciousness, a change in the field of consciousness that is felt like a quick change in the field of gravity. But since we can't see that structure, then it makes it challenging. And I could try to remember to test consciousness through muscle testing that I learned through Dr. David Hawkins' work. That might be helpful. If I test my level, and saying my level is kind of weird. I don't know if that's quite the right language, but testing the level of consciousness in one moment and then when one starts to feel that changing testing the level of consciousness again because i feel people with omnipolar energy can experience rapid changes in consciousness like being on a roller coaster ride in consciousness whereas other people are more like on a tram ride going around and Nice circles where you don't really feel too much of the effects on the body. But changes in consciousness literally make the body more light or more dense. Higher vibration, less material, less weight. And lower vibration, it's more dense. And to actually have the matter in your body go from a higher speed and more space and more light to slowing down and condensing one is going to feel that one isn't going to literally feel it on the level of the molecules and protons and electrons and neutrons but one is going to feel it as one can feel it as a human being on the gross level of being a human being but we attribute it to some kind of consistent i we think I am feeling good and now I am feeling bad as opposed to there's varying levels of consciousness and that's going to change and it kind of sucks to go up and then down like at least from the perspective of being a human it doesn't feel great and then at other times it feels good but I think I think possibly releasing the whole notion of good and bad could be helpful going up on a roller coaster isn't necessarily good and going down isn't necessarily going beat isn't necessarily bad it's both part of the roller coaster you have to go up in order to have that experience of going down and i feel like a lot of spiritual traditions emphasize that as one goes up in consciousness it just slowly nicely goes up or there's one big jump into higher consciousness and it never goes back down i don't think that's true per se because again that is going along with the notion of wanting things to be consistent or consistent slow progress which is how our brains are programmed in terms terms of commerce and economics and and consciousness and humanity doesn't obey the laws of commerce. That's why there's so much unhappiness and suffering in the world, is because we put commerce as the number one thing, but that doesn't necessarily go with the fundamental laws of the human brain and the human nervous system and human consciousness. So, yeah. I th- I feel like... If I can think in terms of, well, I just... The eye, but there was just this movement up on this invisible scaffolding of consciousness. Which, being at the park is something that does that. Being in nature. nature Nature's very high-level consciousness. And then, going back to my human structure that I live in right now. It's a lower consciousness. So it's part environmental. It's part there's no real causes per se like I could say going home to my space causes a lowering in consciousness if because it's relatively lower compared to being at the park and being in a state of no mind but I could also say well I have to go home to sleep I have to go home and sleep in my bed in a dark room at least it seems that way right now so I could say it would it causes that but I It's necessary. So whatever necessary movement in consciousness seems to happen as a result, there's nothing I can do about that. Maybe one day there'll be more ideal sleeping circumstances, but that leads me to talk about another thing that I've been pondering lately. Is this idea or possibility of well, I'm thinking about the ego structure and how it seems to arise to protect itself. And then by protecting itself, say somebody yells at me and I yell back, I think I'm protecting myself, but I actually created the self or re-coalesced the self by reacting like a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, yeah. The other part of that is protecting these seeds of light, protecting... That one has a sense that one has touched something eternal, something enlightening. And it's not a thing, and it's not like one thing. There's all these seeds of consciousness, of light that one can allow to enter into one's brain space, heart space, being space. And one realizes that one, the brain has that capacity. And then anything that comes in that would possibly be detrimental to that, there is a physiological, bodily, sensory, gesturetic response of protecting that. But I feel like that is mixed in with the ego. So one, in wanting to protect that brain state since one is interacting with another who is operating based on ego most likely that brings in the operation of the ego in the other who really would like to protect these seeds of light not themselves but in protecting in moving in that protecting gesture it brings itself an operation which is that which would unprotect the seed of light or maybe it does protect it in that it doesn't take time to get it back one seems to be defending something defending the truth within oneself which is something ever-changing and it's not a static thing yet when one defends oneself One who might have accessed this light defends oneself to another who hasn't. One appears to have an ego for that moment, even to the one who's protecting the light. And then that person might feel bad and judge themselves for that. But maybe part of the key is getting rid of that. Judging oneself for the rapid drop in consciousness that would manifest itself as a moody person acting egoically when really one was perhaps in a state of creativity and light and then in order to protect that state one does manifest as an ego to another ego in order to protect that light because the other ego wouldn't understand the light so imagine if i had those, those seeds of light and I was in a creative space, and someone knocks on my door, and they're like, rah, 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 rah and I go, blah! If I was to be like, oh, and in the light, they'd probably be like, whoa, what the hell? You're not being yourself. People are more comfortable with, like, a violent retort to violence than they are to a state of light that's beyond all that. So, it is perhaps protecting the other from having to change so we change rapidly from creative energy higher consciousness states of light and beauty and rapidly come down lower in speed to protect that seat of light to protect the other because they don't want to know they don't want to listen they want to think we're crazy people So there's so many layers to that and i don't know if it's true but i'm wondering as i'm talking about it if it would be possible for this one to be okay with these rapid decelerations because it can't necessarily be otherwise whereas if one day this one is in a space and environment where those rapid decelerations aren't supposedly necessary then the seed of light can just flower and continue to flower and flower and flower because the thing is if one has access to seeds of light and those seeds get planted in the being and their environment everyone has to change everyone has to start acting in accordance with this light this intelligence and people don't want to in general And another thing that happened related to what I was talking before, well, it relates to this whole speeding up or slowing down in consciousness. And I don't have exact evidence for this, but I was on a call yesterday for a course I'm taking. And there were three of us in a breakout room. So three of us talking and doing an exercise. And after 15 minutes, the facilitator was going to bring us all back into the same room on the screen. what was interesting was it cut off and it brought us back into the all the same room and I was the timer of the last person who got five minutes to talk but I, I guess the other person timed that person too even though they didn't need to and the other person said oh they still had 45 seconds left to talk and I said whoa on my clock it only said five seconds so see moving faster I just saw a beaver swimming. It was such a little beaver. There he is. Oh my goodness. I didn't know there were beavers here. I think it's a beaver. Come on out. Maybe it's just a rat, swimming. (laughs) No, it's just a really big rat. That's cool too, though. (laughs) I made a note on my phone that I can throw out seeds, but I can't tend the garden. And I was thinking when I wrote that down in terms of how my brain doesn't have the capacity to tend, to plan, to remember next day, oh, I got to go out and do the same thing again and take care of this garden that's growing. But now when I looked at it, I was thinking about it in terms of, because if my job is to throw out the seeds, then I don't have time to tend the garden. Not that I can't garden per se, My job is to keep throwing out the seeds. I don't know if that's true, but... I find it easier to pick out seeds than to plan out a garden. Because I don't know what the plan is. I think the plan is when other people start to pick up on the seeds... because in the past I've had like visions and things and that doesn't really work because if you tell someone the vision then that becomes a pattern that's the same as saying let's all be communists that's going to fix it or let's all be this that's going to fix it but I think in seeing that we are one humanity that we're one human swarm we'll create something else and you don't really need to know what it is we figure it out together when we're acting in togetherness. So I wonder if since now I seem to be getting a bit of a handle on this up and down and navigating some of it with the help of remedies and supplements, if I can go back to talking about insight